You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. This is a special live edition of Bulletproof Radio in that we're recording in person in Scottsdale, Arizona. But before I get into the show for you today, let's do today's cool fact of the day. Turns out that we're closer to understanding the mysterious atmospheric light show called Steve. It stands for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement, which is something that really only an astronomer or someone like that could really name. But Steve is an unusual type of sky glow that appears on the equator instead of like the auras or auroras that you would see in parts of the world where I live in Canada. So unlike those shimmery green ribbons that make up the northern lights, Steve is a mauve band of light that stretches east to west and has vertical green stripes that they call a picket fence. So massive displays in the sky that no one has yet been able to explain until now. They looked at celestial photos and satellite data, and they discovered that heated atmospheric particles produce the ribbon when electron showers from space are creating the picket fence. So that purple smear is from a westward flowing stream of plasma, Charged particles in the plasma, which are moving about five kilometers a second, heat other atmospheric particles through friction and cause that amazing purple light. And what the scientists say, I love this quote, something special is happening. (laughs) At the latitudes where Steve appears, it allows those electrons to tumble into the atmosphere and create the picket fence. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Dave is a master of foreshadowing. So clearly he's gonna be talking about picket fences or the color purple. And you'd be wrong in both of those because it turns out our biology responds to what's going on in the atmosphere, what's going on in the magnetic fields that surround the earth that come from the sun. And it's amazing that you can even predict some aspects of human behavior based on what's going on with sunspots. This isn't the mystical astrology stuff of years ago. This is real-time measurement of heart rate variability and things like that, where there's actual data that shows that some of this is real. To date, I don't know data that says uh, unequivocally that you know when uh, Saturn is dominant over Europa, you can tell I'm really into this stuff. I just made that up. Uh, but that, that that's going to be uh, something that's specifically measurable with what we can measure today. I'm not saying that stuff isn't real. I'm just saying we don't have good data on it. But we know a full moon affects you. We know gravitational tides affect you. And we know electromagnetic fields affect us. And that is what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. 
But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Today's guest is a friend named Peter Sullivan. We first met in 2007, and we're sitting here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he's the CEO and founder of Clearlight Ventures, and a major environmental health funder who focuses on two things that I care a lot about. Number one is toxins, and the other one is wireless safety. I actually really like my wireless devices. I think they're really useful, but I also know that they are not without a dark side. And Peter is a fantastic guy to learn from today because he spent the last 15 years successfully recovering his two sons from autism and sensory issues. And in that same period, he recovered from mercury poisoning and the effects of high levels of wireless and EMF exposure because he's a former tech guy who, like me, I used to work in the data center business. I got my fair share of exposure. So now Peter's working on raising awareness about what we know about wireless and electromagnetic fields. And it's not all bad. Uh, some of it's actually good. But just saying, here's the actual science without that dogmatic, sort of it's an all or nothing mindset. And it turns out that EMFs and the wireless radiation are listed as group 2B carcinogens by the WHO. And before I asked Peter to start talking, some other stuff he... I didn't know until I was preparing for this interview, even though I've known him for a while. He funded roughly half of the National Resource Defense Council's Mercury program. And in 2008, uh, they successfully sued the EPA to close the cement industry's exemption of the Clean Air Act, which resulted in annual health care savings of about $6.7 billion. Uh, Peter, uh, thanks for that little thing. <laughs> Sure. Actually, that's the 6.7, I think, to 14 billion or something. It's actually even higher. And I don't know if the estimates have changed. Wow. But that was uh, my best investment so far, social investment. It was not a lot of money. Um, it was pretty major. That was just a surprising impact. That it, you basically funded the lawyers who were saying, uh, isn't it important that cement plants adhere to environmental regulations? You know, I uh, I was working with NRDC and they said they came up with a really good strategy. It's not about me. It's NRDC had a really targeted strategy. And they said, Hey, you know, in California, we noticed that most of the mercury is coming from these cement plants that haven't been regulated. And some of it's coming from China. But what we can control here is these cement plants, which have been exempted, and they're really good at suing people. And uh, and they, I, I, I really had no hope in policy and a policy win, but like you have a diverse portfolio. And I was really thinking it was going to be all about consumer awareness and measuring consumers and uh, that it just, everything went backwards on me. So um, just got to be prepared for anything, especially really good stuff. I really like the way you talk about it and think about it. You're talking about portfolio management when enacting important environmental changes. Like, I'm going to make you know, five or 10 bets, just like a venture capital thinks, venture capitalist thinks, right? in order to say, well, one or two of these bets is going to pay off and create the results I want. Yeah. So I'm basically trained. So after I dropped out of software at about 2005 or so, I was working at Netflix, I ended up... Um, well, becoming a philanthropist and focusing on this area. And I thought I could just jump in and just start funding stuff. 
And my financial advisor said, you need training. And I was like, what do you mean? You're just writing checks, whatever. But I, and I realized that was just idiotic and um, I wasn't trying to know what I was doing. So I went with a group called the Philanthropy Workshop and they trained me as a strategic philanthropist. And I realized how, you know, now you're in with the, the, you're looking at the hardest problems in the world and you can't get too attached. You got to have a good strategy and you got to be ready to fail and pivot and all that stuff. And, and that's what we did. And I've had, and I've pivoted now from Mercury now to, to wireless because we've got an international Mercury treaty and I'm not a big enough player to start be, you know, to be playing in that realm so much. But you you did fund a few nonprofits who supported the International Mercury Treaty. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I I helped a little bit. I still help with Pure Earth on the East Coast. Uh, they work on pollution. They work with the Lancet Report. So pollution's killing more than nine million people a year. Nine so, million. Nine okay. million. So Wait, that can't so, be a global number. That's just U.S. No, no, no. no that's global. That's it has global. to be more than that. Uh, in the U.S. No, no, just no, no. globally, 9 million out oh, of the 9. percentage 6. of the well, population. Well, 9.6, if you look at, um, I think it's the highest preventable cause of death in the world from the Lancet report. Okay. And war and murder is about, you know, a quarter million people. So if you made just a little dent in pollution, it'd be the same as ending all war and murder. Okay. So that'd be kind of good. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually less concerned about deaths from pollution yeah. uh, than I am about crappy lives from the pollution. Exactly. And, and that's where it, it's it's awful. I, I had high mercury when I was and lead in my, my late 20s that were tied with all sorts of other stuff. People who have toxic mold exposure typically have higher metal levels. Uh, they, they travel together for interesting biological reasons. Uh, and I did do the work to get chelated and remove the stuff. And I, on a regular basis, detox those things. And it matters greatly because if you have more metals, EMFs affect you more because they're little micro antennas, right? No, exactly. And I went through the same experience you did. I had less mold exposure. I had little, I had little mold exposure, but not as much. And I had pretty bad mercury exposure and so did my kids a little bit. So that was a, that was a passion of mine for a while. And even after the problem was, even after we detoxed and I was pretty clean on metals, I was still becoming pretty sensitive. To, that's actually when I really discovered I became even more sensitive to EMFs. So uh, that started the journey. And, you know, again, you and I both love our tech. And I, I was studying with BJ Fogg at Stanford, writing papers about personal technology, meeting with Tony Fidel, who did the iPhone in the mid-90s when he had left General Magic. So there's nobody who loves this tech more than I am do. And, but my body started having reactions to it. And, and I was an early adopter in Silicon Valley. And I just got hammered by exposures. I also had an exposure next to a military base. So there's a, a called, big radar will mess with you. Uh, bl the blue cube in Silicon Valley near, near Moffett field, mm -hmm. Ozanaka air force base was under the cube. There was a space radar before they closed it. And I was in the closest office, to, you know, outside so that you're kind of living in a microwave oven. I was situation. getting fried and I was working out. I was doing everything right. I was on the triathlon team at interwoven, the company I was there at with, and I was doing everything right. And I was slowing down and trying to make it work and not, and it wasn't working. It wasn't happening for me. And I've got like, you, know, I had money and I had resources to, um, my family's all medical and I had resources to the best people. It just wasn't coming together. Well, that it, it makes sense given what we know about being very close to microwave radiation, specifically what comes out of, of radar, that's really not good for you biologically. And people who work in uh, on ridgetops, you know, doing fire spotting and things like that, where they're in the beam of radar, they typically have really weird health problems. And even the Russians uh, back in the 80s were beaming radar into the U.S. embassy 
in order to make it so people just get sick and be defocused, right? Yeah, exactly. That's still actually going on in Cuba. Is it really? So the, you know, the Cuba sonic attack. So, yep. so let's, I'll talk about the radar first so that the military has known about the radar problems for ages. Oh, yeah. So the Navy had about 2,000 studies back in 1972 with over 100 health effects. And that's what makes it confusing because the health effects aren't always the same. You get inflammation and then, you know, that's- Inflammation like, go anywhere. You go anywhere with that. Um, and so, yeah, so what's going on with the sonic attacks now, this is in Cuba, and we just had a, my comm person just pitched a 60 Minutes episode and it aired a couple months ago, about a month ago, um, talking about the people who've gone through the sonic attacks. And basically they're saying that it, we think it's not, it's not sound, that it's an, an EM, some sort of EMF weapon that they're hitting the building with. But those are relatively easy to detect, right? I mean, you, you know, and I it, both have detectors that could pick yeah, this exactly. up. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of wondering what's going on there a little bit. Um, I think it's neurotoxins. You think they're doing neurotoxins? It's probably maybe a mix. I mean, even just environmental toxic mold. I'm not saying it's mold, although I yeah. bet you they have it there because it's yeah. Cuba. But um, it'll create that those exact symptoms, like the yeah. vertigo, the nausea, and also the weird sounds in the ears. And if you did metals and and metals and themselves can have that thing, exactly. you put it all together. I think we're just dealing with a high neurotoxic load in that facility. It, well, you know what I think we need to talk about in this area in general, yeah. and this goes for autism, chronic disease, that it's total load. Yes. That it's never one thing. And this is what this is a mistake I made. It's a mistake everybody makes. You know, yeah. you start out thinking it's genetic, then you do diet and you start stumping, and then you try to it's find everything. You try to find yeah. the one thing. Now, what, what is interesting, and I was a troubleshooter early on in Silicon Valley, oh, yeah. and in Silicon Valley, one, something breaks, and then you immediately see it fail, and then you fix the one thing. The human body, unfortunately, is so much redundancy that by the time you see a symptom, you've had a cascade of failures. You've had like a gang tackle of multiple things, usually, that's weakened your immune system. So for me, if you talk about my total load, I had um, a little post-traumatic stress from the military. I was a Navy yeah. pilot. Um, I had an accident. And uh, I had the mercury poisoning, I had, I had mercury exposure, I had um, EMF exposure, I had a root canal, infected root canal. Yeah, that'll also create all and, sorts of weird bacterial toxins that increase inflammation. Exactly. It had cavitations from wisdom teeth removed. I had a silver filling touching a gold filling. Oh, a little bit of a battery effect. And I had a, a conductor corrosive Because the electricity effect. in your skull doesn't do anything. Oh, wait. <laughs> so the dentist that measured, the dentist that measured my... Um, my conductive battery fact told me that the amperage flowing between the two fillings was 10 times what my brain's amperage was. And wow. I can't remember exactly what that level was, but when the day after it was removed, I was in a, in a yoga class and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so chill. It was yeah. just fantastic. It's, it's those like, background yeah. buzzing stressors that become invisible, like the humming of a refrigerator. So exactly. So I'm going to start talking about the thing that you're kind of nerdy about because you and I are both tech. Yeah. Signal to noise ratio. There you go. Okay. So everything we know about computers and audio and all the stuff the audio toys are playing with now, it's all, the, if you want clarity, high signal, low noise. Well, okay. So it turns out the EMF... Um, creates a lot of noise in your body, obviously. So obviously that signal, that tooth created a lot of noise in my electrical system. And so I've done a ton of things that have actually lowered the noise floor in my body that have created just more clarity. It, it makes resilience when you do that. Exactly. And, and what uh, Martha Herbert, who I work with at Harvard, has kind of explained to me, she said, uh, she says, think of inflammation as like a, um, as creating noise or like a speed bump in your brain. So, you know, if you have a hangover concussion, you feel your brain feels slower because it is actually physically slower. We're not, we're pretty awesome beings, but we're not above the laws of physics. The laws of physics apply to us. And that's why I love talking to people who do biophysics like Martin Paul. Um, 
So yeah, so I try to give people a felt sense. Now I I'm not a scientist, but I'm really good at I, I'm been better than most people at feeling things and having the experiences. And my training as a software designer was to make technical things really easy for people. So I try to take a lot of the deep science in this area and simplify it and do it in a way that's grounded so people can feel it in their own world. That's one of the most challenging things. And, and a big gift for me, in addition to all the weird biological stuff that, that I had, is I ended up running the, the program at University of California, Santa Cruz for web and internet engineering. So I taught classes several nights a week, you know, three hour classes to working engineers. And they were all of the mindset. You said, well, if there's a problem. You know, we turn it on or off. But what we were talking about here was highly distributed systems where you don't know who owns the other end. In fact, I used to give lectures on interwoven and other app servers and things like that because you mentioned you were that company. But the mindset there was very different. You're saying, you know what? There's a phenomena happening on the internet and it's more like a weather pattern than a specific, something needs to be turned on or off. And the most interesting things, I went, oh, there's a problem in a browser and a problem in a router and a problem on a web server over there. And the, the symphony of those three creates an unpredictable behavior. And that mindset, how do you troubleshoot a system that is by definition a black box with blurry edges? And that's what led to biohacking. The idea that said, you know what? I wanted a result. I'm going to make enough configuration changes in my environment, in my body to get the results. And then I'll maybe undo some of them and see if it sticks. But exactly. your idea of signal to noise ratio, your idea of reducing the total burden there, that's what leads to human resilience. Because if your total burden of useless crap is there, your yeah. ability to carry something meaningful goes up. Exactly. I mean, it's not my concept. It's called like allostatic load. Yeah. Formally, we call it total load for parents. I think Patty Lemer, who works on autism, coined the term and Martha Herbert helped introduce me to it. I accidentally said, instead of allo, uh, static load, I misspoke when she was saying it back. I said allopathic load. Oh. And she <laughs> fell over and laughed her ass off. And, and she said, I said, well, why are you laughing too. so much? She goes, yeah, that means like Western medicine load. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, but I, I take a lot, of this, a lot of things we've taken in tech. It's not just from troubleshooting software, but there's a couple other principles that I think are important, like the ability to roll back. You and I have both like written code that we thought was going to fix something and we broke something else. Yeah. And I've been in the newspaper for that. I, you know, stuff I did at Excite, I brought, brought the whole server down. I'm in the newspaper, right? Like, oops. It's not super fun. Um, and so what we do is you roll, you roll back to known good until you can do a comparison and figure out what's going on, right? And that's kind of what's going on with a little bit of the paleo movement and so forth. And we're, and with biohackers, you're tracking what's going on. You're doing a little bit of revision control. And when something doesn't work, you go, uh, I'm going to go back to that. And you're going to measure. <laughs> you're going to have tests for it first. You're going to try to yeah. measure your success. Um, and the other concept that comes from Silicon Valley is just general quality control. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I work, do a lot of autism work. And I would say, let's say, imagine that the iPhone, if the percentages of iPhones that kept breaking, that didn't come off the line correctly and communicate correctly, kept going up every year or every month. You might want to correct that problem. Yeah, you might want to jump. Matter of fact, it, in Silicon Valley, that would get fixed in a month. If it took a month, people would lose their jobs. Yep. So it's just kind of drifting along here. And we're all just kind of sitting there acting like, you know, no one knows what's going on. It's like, well, you know, if we roll back to what we had, if we roll, start looking carefully at some key suspects that have changed, let's roll things back. And, um, and so how do we focus that? But there's a ton of things to roll back. How do you, you know, not impair all this commerce? So what we want to focus on is this is a risk factor for both um, autism and for electrosensitivity. You're saying metals are? 
Uh, no, um, I'm going to talk about a genetic risk factor, um, okay. calcium channel variation. Yeah, let's talk. Oh, this is okay. good. Because yeah, I'm going to make it simple. Yeah. Okay. And I, I had heard about calcium channels for a while in autism, but I didn't understand the purpose of them. So let me understand the purpose, explain the purpose. So uh, the calcium channels are in, like if you have a cell or like a neuron, they're mostly dense in neurons and heart activity in, in the heart. Um, the calcium channels open up and they open up based on voltage and they let calcium into the cell. The inside of the cell is very void of calcium. It's like a dark room. And if you imagine calcium coming in, it's like a little spark. And the purpose of that spark, that calcium channel signaling, is to excite the cell. And the more calcium gets inside, the more excited the cell is and the more easily it fires. And so we all have the concept of, we talk about people as being high-strung and low-strung. We've all had the experience of like being a little geeked out or you know playing tennis and you swing and a miss and you're like, oh, I need my coffee or whatever, right? And speaking of coffee, releases calcium from inside. So you can get calcium from the outside, but when you drink coffee, the signaling to wake up something's important going on comes from the inside stores. Okay, Is so- Inside the cells and the inside, calcium's already inside the cell. There are organelles inside the yeah. cells that, so when the, so when the calcium goes in, there are little organized organelles inside the cell that absorb it. Mm-hmm. So that, it, and then it's dark, it's like a dark room again, and then you're calm. Okay, so that's the purpose of the calcium channels. So in autism, there are about a thousand genes and the largest cluster of those genes that are risk factors are calcium channel signaling variations. Now, it turns out I have one of those variations, and it's also a risk factor for uh, adult electrosensitivity, which is when you uh, you could call it electrosensitivity or electrosensitive or microwave sickness. People have different names for it. So, so is there a test that people listening could you know, for this? there has been some debate. Uh, Martha Herbert, who I work with, has, has looked at a lot of the biomarkers. They're not super specific biomarkers. That's the problem. There are biomarkers that are common to a lot of other um, multiple diseases, inflammation, HLA-DR kind of variants. Oh, oh, well, first of all, you, you can definitely do the genetic testing okay. and see the genetic side of it. Clearly, but clear there's an environmental and physiological load going on, too. So, um, so there are genetic variants to either being a, and, and then there's a window of opportunity. So if I had had this exposure when I was a kid, I p- might have been a little bit more on, on the autism spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. My kids had some issues going on. I don't like, they're old now and they, they don't have, they have, they're off, they're fine. They're fine. And they don't want me talking about it. They're like, my, I don't want my friends to know this. And they, and they, they're, they are totally fine. But you realize it's your right as a father to embarrass your children for your entire life, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I do that a lot with my kids. I hope my kids hear I don't this even episode. To, Dave, I don't even have to try. That's my <laughs> default. You know that. So uh, the kids are going to be mortified even if you don't open your mouth. So, but I'm really proud of them, and uh, they're they're both at Berkeley now, and they're doing great. And um, so, but so yeah, so I want parents to know that number one, these aren't lifetime conditions, autism, or if you have electrosensitivity or environmental illness or whatever, it's not a lifetime thing you're going to have for the rest of your life. You can recover from these things. Um, and through usually not just doing one thing, but multiple things and lightening the load. And what I tell parents at, at autism conferences and other things is that, okay, you got this genetic load potentially, and you can't change that, but we can change how our bodies react. We can change the environment around it. And, and, and um, one of the things that we talked about uh, in the conference today was, was magnesium, right? It was one of the fat, one of the folks here uh, has a magnesium supplement, and it turns out that um, if you're low in magnesium, your calcium channels can be hyperactive. Yeah, Joe Mercola and I did talk about, about that, that well. on the episode as well. So taking more magnesium if you have a cell phone around or you live in a Wi-Fi oven is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the first thing to do is 
lower the exposures as much as you can yeah. at night. And I tell people, people like, what can I do? I need to buy something. Do I, I said, it's cheap. I know. I was usually the other way around. It is fairly cheap, for, especially where you're getting a lamp switch, right? Yeah. I would just say, um, usually the problem is you've bought things that are harming you. And now the weird thing is, how do you, you know, how do you get people to realize that? Because they, they like, everyone likes what they bought. We love our toys, right? And they look beautiful and they really serve us in great ways. But how do we limit, like with the aura ring, I mm-hmm. turn it to airplane mode. Yeah, me too. And we, we tell what well, we told parents, and this was a doctor in California, Dr. Toro Yelter, came up with this protocol and it's really brilliant. And because I was thinking, oh my God, we're going to have to scale all these meters to all these people and get building biologists to do all this stuff to really help, you know, lower autism stuff and child development issues. And she's like, okay, here's how this works. Turn off your baby monitor, number one. Baby monitors should be illegal unless they're ethernet. Exactly. And Ethernet means wired in if yeah. you're not a tech geek. We, we think that the big transition might have been, autism started picking up in the mid 80s and that's around when we went from analog signaling and baby monitors and cordless phones to deck digital signaling. And those deck, those, the digital signals are much different on, your, on, different on your biology and much harsher. For a long time, no one could explain how is it that those eight cells in, a, in an embryo know Oh, I'm going to turn into, uh, you know, a, a, a liver cell. I'm going to turn into a heart cell, a brain cell. There are electromagnetic fields that control that. It's not that hard it's, to understand that if you manipulate those fields in a way that's really unnatural, you might see subtle or even not so subtle changes. And we can see it in plants. We can see it in insects. And it, it's true even in mice. Exactly. Um, and there was... Um there was a book in the mid eighties and I'm spacing on the name down, but there's a guy in at Tufts university who's doing this research and uh, uh, former was it Steve, Steve Allen, the Microsoft guy, uh, Paul, Allen. Paul Allen, sorry, Paul Allen funded his work. And this guy is basically regenerating limbs and all these things using electrical protocols. Uh, Robert, uh, you know, Becker. It. yeah, well, Beck, the book is Becker's book and it's, yeah. what is it again? It's the electromagnetism in life, isn't it? Uh, no, it's like, I can't remember. We'll, the, we'll, we'll, we'll put a link in the, yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's classic. The I, I've had a Schumann resonance generator, which is a good EMF uh, in right. my house for 20 years because of that book. It's like a little yeah. alarm clock thing. Exactly. When I have actually been playing with, so there's a debate about is the Schumann resonators, are they in phase with the earth or not, or could they even cancel and you know that there's you great feel, debate, yeah. but who the heck knows? I know. So there's one that's kind of interesting that I found recently. Um, there's a, a Schumann antenna, which just amplifies the natural Earth's one. Ooh, I want one of those. So, but, so t- yeah. talk about what the Schumann resonance is. I realized I'm yeah, we need to, yeah, exactly. super geeky. This. Sorry, sorry yeah. guys. Let, let's define okay, let's some not nerd out too much. So the Earth has a natural magnetic field, and we evolved inside that. And these magnetic fields permeate our bodies, right? And they they go right through us. And the and the lightning strikes in the ionosphere. Um, are constantly going on around the globe. And on average, it fluctuate, fluctuate, the primary frequency fluctuates at about 7.83 hertz, which is kind of in our alpha brainwave yep. segment. And you can see people talking about, you know, is that that Earth's frequency helping entrain our brain brainwaves, kind of like a drumbeat for us? Yeah, it's right at the border between uh, theta, which is a dream state, exactly. and intuition, subconscious, and the consciousness. Exactly. And then there are harmonics of that frequency. So there are things that are, that are above and below, just like in musical harmonics, right? So we have these, this Earth's frequency kind of supports us. And uh, unless you've been an astronaut, even Apollo astronaut, you haven't lived outside of this. Um, and the Earth's magnetic field now, now we have these magnetic fields in our houses that surround us, but come from different angles and at different frequencies and create kind of an interference pattern. 
and can really disrupt. I find that it really disrupts my deep sleep. And I think if you found that as well. Yeah, I, I get about an hour and a half of deep sleep every night now. Yeah. But uh, I, I definitely know that if I'm in a hotel, it's not as good, although I'm still pretty darn good. Yeah. But if you're getting, uh, I feel like really close to one of the wireless phones in hotels, I notice that that in my sleep score. So I always move them out of the room or unplug them. Yeah, I was surprised. I had years ago. I had a Jawbone Up, which was one of the first, you know, biohacker. Yeah, I had one things. of those things, right? I loved that because it did no EMF or whatever. So, I at some point the um, and I, before I was really clued into this, I think we had a uh, a uh, smart meter installed or removed or something that just for one night, and I noticed a dramatic shift, and it really surprised me. Um, and you know, it's it's subtle. It's really subtle stuff. It's like heart rate variability. It's not, not going it. to kill you right now. No. And th that's exactly. why people get really upset and skeptical. Like, well, I don't feel anything. Well, look, there's something called a tetrachromat. You know what that is? No, I don't. These are people who can see more than the 16.7 million colors that you and I can see. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they actually have extra rods and cones. So they could say that color of pink is different than that color of pink. And I would say, you're a liar and you're a bad person and clearly a con artist. Right? right, but the bottom line is they actually did see yeah, it, and yeah, the yeah. fact that we perceive things differently doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And and that that flaw in the scientific method says everyone has to be able to observe everything the same way. There are people with more mercury or with genetic things, uh, or just who've gotten plugged in who can feel the difference. There are people that feel different things than I do. My friend Jolie Jones is also very public about um, uh, electrosensitivity. She's Quincy Jones's daughter, and she's just amazing. Um, she feels, she came into my house. She's like, Peter, I feel something going on over here. And I didn't feel it. I was numb to it. So I became just like you become nose blind to mold. You can become very blind to the frequencies and you need to be kind of step out of them for a while to feel them. Other people will feel different things. So I don't get judgy about this is good, bad. I've had situations where something, I plug something in, it feels good for me and it makes somebody else worse. So, but, but what I have learned about the felt experience really grounds this. So there's 22,000 studies in this field. Hundreds of them show pretty serious problems, blood-brain barrier breaches, DNA damage, inflammation, all kinds of issues with like uh, miscarriages and for actually the sperm damage thing should just freak everybody out. There's dozens of studies showing sperm damage and DNA damage. And unfortunately, we don't get a lot of people, you tell people that and they're just not ready to, to believe that and even read it. And it's out there on PubMed or on, if you search on Google Scholar. Uh, the one the one resource that's good is uh, EMF Portal has all of those resources kind of categorized. Okay. And some of these things, again, are not just bad that they're used for medical devices. They're having an impact. And they're having a positive impact. So I realized that, you know, studying, I studied with BJ and at Stanford and, you know, really felt that it's all about the influence and the persuasive mechanisms. And the guy, a guy, Chip Heath, I'm forgetting the name of the book, wrote about that people think about things, but then they really make decisions based on how they feel. And I... And I've got a house that, that has low EMF and I have, I can get most people to feel something. And so I decided that that was really the, the, the route to try to influence people. So we did a, about 2016, we did a wireless free tent and we put shielded material and we grounded it. And we told people when they wanted to go in, they needed to turn off their phone and their, uh, any fitness trackers or Apple watches or whatever. And most people were willing to do that. And when they went inside, we, we have a meter and we measure it outside. We say, this is, looks, it's 5,000 microwatts measurement outside. And you go inside and it's zero. And people would walk out and then they'd walk in and they'd have an immediate, um, you know, immediate discerning experience. And 
I was surprised to find because, you know, we, we think only about one to three, maybe three percent of the population is pretty severely electrosensitive. Maybe 30 percent are still pretty, you know, feel it a little bit, but not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, I was surprised to find that 85 to 95 percent of people at these conferences had a felt experience. Wow. I was shocked that it was that high. And we've had some pretty profound experiences. So we've had uh, autistic kids who are stimming and really overloaded walk in and just lay down, sit down, and then go to sleep. We've had women with a woman with Tourette's who, you know, uh, had her Tourette's symptoms kind of go down. We've had people with ear ringing immediately go in and it stops. So, so we, and, but the symptom that people m- report most commonly is they sit down and they just go, oh, I feel calm. Yeah. You may even almost feel bored. Well, now that constant stream of calcium that's been leaking into your cells and overexciting you finally stopped. I, I used to have an, an office uh, that I'd built out in a garage in Silicon Valley, and I made it a Faraday cage. And if you're listening and you're not an engineer, a Faraday cage is basically a metal box that's electrically grounded that blocks EMF. Because I knew about this stuff. You know, the, the books have been out even before the modern cell phone networks the way they are. Uh, so I said, I'm just going to try it because it doesn't cost any more to do it that way than another way. I just took aluminum-backed foam because it's inside a garage anyway and just built out the walls and and connected everything electrically and cell phones didn't work in there and things like that but it was amazing to meditate in there you meditate in in a faraday cage you really you feel a difference you know we had some people when they go into the tent they said a one woman said i feel like i'm meditating but i'm not meditating and i said yeah the signal to noise ratio in your body just changed and that's the reason you you know, when you meditate, you, you stop moving. And I, I've worked with some pain researchers at Stanford, and they said, you know, one of our biggest problems is, is getting a, a pain sensor is there's a lot of electrical noise in the muscles. Oh, yeah. Huge yeah. Noise. Okay. So you stop moving your muscles. What happens? The noise floor drops. So what I'll frequently do is I'll go into a low EMF room and, you know, I'll, meditate, I'll get a zero gravity chair mm-hmm. and you'll kick back. So now your brain is unloaded from even the load of trying to deal with gravity. So you get rid of, you lighten that load, you get rid of the noise and you just get to go deeper. You take great for power naps. Well, guess what happens when you're in a float tank? You're in exactly. magnesium enriched water. Magnesium helps with the calcium channels, exactly. but it's also very conductive. So you're fully electrically grounded and you have no physical vibration, no noise, no temperature, no clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no light. But part of it is that you are truly electrically grounded when you do that. Yeah. And I think the other part too, is that when you shut your, you know, when we get overloaded, Frequently you see people blink and shut their eyes or whatever. And we, we turn off that sensory input because we've got overload going on and you'll yeah. see autistic kids cover their ears. So it's nice for people to have a break. And, and so many people are being, being overloaded and, and the calcium channels we talked about are risk factors for um, neuropsychiatric issues as well. So autism, ADHD, uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar, and even schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So if you have some sort of calcium thing going on, um, or if you've got, you know, if you're just not sleeping well, you've got high inflammation or any sort of mental health thing at all, this is a really a key area to step into to just give yourself more space. Now, there are a collection of, I'm just going to call it uh, alarmists or fear mongers online saying we live in a blue lit microwave world and we're all going to die and you should be hopeless and send me your money or whatever their message is. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of the conspiracy theory side of things. But the reality is blue light is bad for you. EMFs are not good for you either, Yeah. right? So 
that said, I kind of like light bulbs. They're useful. Uh, I love my cell phone because it allows me to communicate and do things far more effectively. Like Uber kind of requires cell phones and it's really useful to get around and to reduce environmental load from gasoline and, and leaded gasoline and thallium and gasoline, all the, all the good things that happen. You can't take that away no. uh, from the equation, but you can also say maybe holding your cell phone uh, right up against you know your your sex organs is a bad idea. Yeah, you know the guy uh, Frank Clegg who spoke at the Commonwealth Golf Club back in I think 2010 or so. Uh, he was Microsoft Canada's president, and he really coined the term safe technology. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to get into this thing where it's this is good, this is bad. It's like let's have let's meet the design requirements that don't interfere with biology. And so in the future, safe technology is going to be a requirement, just like seatbelts were with automobiles. So with the the industry will get you know, just like the automobile industry, we love our cars, but we want to be as safe as possible and we're going to continue to make them safer. So the, the only long-term solution here is safe technology in the interim until we have that, until we, our companies believe it and we demand it and all that, we need to just use it a little bit smarter, especially at night. The good news is that there are some companies paying attention to this stuff no one wants to believe that their life's work or that their career is is causing harm. So there's a lot of of just denial of evidence. In part, there's legal things as companies know if they admit it, then they might be sued into oblivion and things like that. In fact, it's, it's a big concern for all companies. And they teach you about that in business school and all. Uh, and it's one of the things I think led, you know, the asbestos industry and big tobacco and big oil and even big pharma to just they have a long track record of doing bad things and trying to sweep it under the rug. It's that psychological behavior that does it. But when I, I look at the EMF and, and the light thing, I had a chance with uh, Peter Diamandis uh, to ask the CTOs of three or four of the largest uh, tech companies, uh, including like the VR, the virtual reality, augmented reality uh, headset manufacturers, which I can CTOs from, publicly traded companies. So guys, what about the fact that the eyes uh, and what we see is around 25% of brain function? And the question was really simple. Whose job is it to make sure that this awesome new technology isn't causing unintended harm to our brains? And all these CTOs looked at each other and the consensus was not ours. There is no one watching Exactly. I, um, you know, working when I was at Silicon Graphics in the mid nineties, I worked in a design and human factors group and that was, it was actually my job. Google's headquarter building. Yes. So I sat in exactly. I used to sneak in there to make espresso at lunchtime every day. So everyone thinks Google has cool architecture. No, that was Silicon Silicon Graphics Graphics. architecture. That was, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Silicon Graphics was amazing. And the first company in Silicon Valley to put espresso machines for employees to use. Yeah. Change the world. I, yeah. I, and I sat (laughs) next to the, I sat next to the espresso machine and then I had to give up coffee about mid nineties because I was just over to it. <laughs> just definitely, you know, and yeah. So that's another thing is if you've ever had too much coffee, which most of us have, that's that feeling, especially bad coffee with mold toxins in it. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure for me, whether it's the mold toxins, the allergic, but a little bit of that creepy feeling, that creepy feeling of being too wired. That's what, that's where you're going with. If you get too much EMF exposure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up, and I, and to me, I had, I wanted to keep a certain level of performance. So I had to stop to start dropping things. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you drop soda, you drop so-and-so and all that. Yeah, we both went through that path of like yeah. trying to hold on. Okay. Yeah. So back, so back to where I was, I was working at the, um, in the human factors and design group. And I was in charge of actually taking the devices to the FCC to have them approved. At one, one time, I took one of the machines to an FCC thing. I was in charge of mouse testing and all that stuff. 
we just aren't in a position and there's so many there's so much pressure to get the thing out there you're just not in a great position to start demanding this until the consumers it's very much like the government like a democracy when the market requires it then the managers pay attention and so forth and it it works with grass-fed beef the number of grass-fed yogurt companies grass-fed butter grass-fed beef you know, exactly. I, I've been hammering that drum along with right. some other people for a long time, but it actually happened, and that shift is just in the last five years. So the same thing will happen the with right, tech. I think the right things are going to happen. What inspired me the most is that a friend of mine uh, at Microsoft, who is uh, tied in heavily with their augmented reality stuff, HoloLens, uh, I got to go in there and do a uh, like an executive briefing. I brought my kids; they're all wearing you know these things, which uh, probably were wireless. Uh, yeah. You know, so some are wired. Yeah, I have the wired one at home, the uh, the Oculus Rift that's wired on purpose. Yeah, but even then, what that's I wear my I wear my TrueDark glasses under it. I managed to fit them under it to keep the blue light out. Yeah. But I got a chance to sit down with the engineers. I'm like, guys, and they they're like, oh wow, it would be so easy for us to change the color of light coming out of these. So they said, of course we could add yeah. that. So they, they actually took this back into the design process. So the people who are doing the work, they actually want to make products that are awesome and good for you because they have kids and they're alive. We're, we're, they not, just don't you're, know. we're not assholes. We're not, yeah. totally, you know, we want to do the right thing. And um, yeah, yeah, no one wants to feel bad about themselves. It, it, they were open-minded. They were curious. I shared what I knew. They took it back and did what exactly. they did with it. But it's that kind of a, a mindset. I find the same thing in this you know, big, bad food companies that people talk about. No, that the execs there are desperate to make food that's good for people that they'll buy. Yeah. Like and they want to do it. And you're, you said like a lot of the activists will demonize the tech companies and so forth. And, and there's definitely been some bad stuff that's gone on in the federal government and, the, and in the telecom world, I would say. Definitely some merchant or dot activity. But a lot of the tech people have really, we just didn't know straight up. Yeah. And, and, we didn't, and we didn't have time to look. And people will correct it as fast as they can. Now, one thing I would say about light, there's a little bit of EMF overlap with light. If you don't like fluorescent lights, mm -hmm. it may not just be the light. There's the, there's the noise. Mm -hmm. There's the, um, and there's an electric field frequently, but there's also a flicker rate. Yes. And so the flicker rate is also really key. Drives me insane. And, and you can also get what's called dirty electricity. Yep. So if your electrical noise is not pure, pristine 60 hertz, which most people don't have, if it has all this noise and garbage in it, that comes out in the lights and it, it, it you know, makes your audio quality worse, screws up the signal to noise ratio and your light will have weird flickers and, and it just, it's, it's harsh. Yeah. It, it sounds weird. Uh, that's an area where who knows if it's genetic or toxin related or whatever, but uh, I'm according to Helen Erlen, you know, one of the more sensitive people she's seen. And I've also seen her find the right color of filters for people who are disabled, like full on institutionalized and they put weird sunglasses on tuned for their brain and they're fine. And if this is the power of light on some brains, unfortunately we we now know the circadian biology of it. And that's why I started a company to do that. I didn't need to start a company to do that. There's no one made the right stuff. So there's two patented sets of glasses now for different things um, that actually work. Well, you would like Jacob Lieberman's work. The, the light is the future of medicine. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. yeah. So the, let's talk a little bit more because you did something that's, that's pretty interesting. You said, all right, I'm going to do a documentary about this. I did the same thing on toxic mold. Mm -hmm. uh, and toxic mold, toxic metals, EMFs, they, they travel, like, like they're, they're so related in, yeah. in Lyme disease too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if, if you get one, the odds of the other ones getting worse are very high. Uh, and 
it's a huge amount of work to do documentaries. So with Moldy, and if you're if you're listening to this, go. I didn't know you did that, David. Said MoldyMovie.com. It's a it's a free thing. Just put your email in, and you can watch it. Uh, but it's a couple hundred grand to make a decent documentary. Like it, it's a philanthropic act, unless you're going to have like some big marketing funnel campaign thing, which I didn't do. Yeah. Um, yours is called Generation Zapped. Generation Zapped, and yeah, we did. I did some grant funding for that, and we did some crowdfunding. Okay. Uh, we've been at festivals. It's now on iTunes and Amazon. Okay. And it uh, and we spent a lot of time talking about you know the tone of it. You know, we wanted to have a tone that was really approachable for people. We didn't want to be too harsh. We didn't want to scare people away. We also don't want to be too soft. And we just, and she, you know, I, I, I think Sabine did a fantastic job and I, I was really happy with how it turned out. Uh, now that's a movie essentially saying, here's what this excessive EMF is doing to people. Give me the gist of it. So, so we talked about inflammation in general and oh, yeah, people who listen probably know inflammation underlies every major disease, but what are the big ones that pop out for exactly. you? Exactly. Well, you know, my goal is to make sure everyone knows the health effects of wireless and also EMF as well. But let's start with wireless. So um, Martin Paul has a great paper and does a field survey of all the symptoms. And this is not his work. He's just surveying the field. And he says the most common symptom is sleep disruption or insomnia. So a lot of people going to bed, waking up in the middle of the night, having restless sleep. Uh, the number two um, symptom is ear ringing. So again, inflammation goes up. It kind of screws up a lot of these things. But people don't think of inflammation. That's like the trunk of the tree. They think of all the leaves. So um, people will see sleep disruption, ear ringing. And a lot of people say, oh my God, I have, I have ear ringing. We say, yeah, I know. Um, and I'm trying to remember the exact order, but it's anxiety, depression. If you go to my website, clearlightventures.com, there's a little link at the bottom for the uh, wireless safety card. And that card has on it, it has the most common symptoms, a couple key studies that you could show that there's science and credibility about this, around this. And then some of the key um, things in your environment that you may want to address and what to do quickly. Isn't blood sugar dysregulation one of them? It is, especially if uh, there's a book called Dirty Electricity mm -hmm. and they've discussed that topic. So if you have blood sugar issues, um, work on not just your wireless, but the dirty electrical noise as well. It, it's profound, but if you clean up junk light, especially at night, which is also shown to screw up your blood sugar, clean up your dirty electricity. There's filters you can buy. I used to sell them on the Bulletproof website in the very early days when it was called Upgraded Self. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, you can do things like turn off your Wi-Fi at night. And magically, it's possible those environmental changes, even if you're still not eating very well, may be enough to move the needle on your blood sugar. And then, you know, maybe take out your breakfast, do some intermittent fasting, have some Bulletproof coffee, whatever. Um, any sort of dietary manipulation to lower your blood sugar, you might actually go from pre-diabetic back to normal just through environmental changes. And exactly. I, I, the thing is, which one of those mattered? Nobody can tell you. Yeah, it's hard to know. So you just have to, I think you systematically do a, a list of suspects and you just do your best and see what happens. It's sort of funny. We have this reductionist Western thing. If you were to ask, you know, Picasso, uh, what color mattered in that painting? It's like, what a dumb question. I had to put all of the colors in the right order for it to look the way it looks. Yet we want to go down to that one thing. And I just don't, th I think we're more like paintings than we are like rigid computer science things. It's like an automobile. There's a lot of different things that have to be put together to work. And, yeah. you know, you've got to do it all. Um, I would also add, I've, I forgot to add for, uh, fertility or sperm damage. Oh, huge one. I mean, I, I, if, if I want to, if we want to try to lower the autism epidemic, 
some of the some part of the autism epidemic is um, de novo mutations, non-inherited mutations. So your DNA didn't make it to your kids. Something got switched, mm-hmm. and you know you've gone through millions of years of evolution. You don't want to be the guy that started playing Russian roulette with the DNA. So definitely keep the cell phone out of the pocket, and you know whether it's fertility or whatever that or you know you could have it in the pocket, but turn off, turn into airplane mode, turn off Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So my first first book before the bulletproof diet a lot of people don't know about it, it was called the better baby book and it was five years of research on fertility uh and way more than a thousand studies and my wife and i put this thing together published it through wiley uh, and i learned how to not publish a book that way but the data even back then on wireless devices and fertility was very clear and and even if the data was wrong there's no benefit to keeping your cell phone right next to your junk i, I just don't see it right so what i did is I said, all right, I'm going to wear mostly cargo pants. And there's actually cool ones now that don't look too awful. And they have a pocket on the middle of my right thigh. So if I don't have my phone there, it's great. It's out of the way. Problem solved, right? Then I go and I do a high resolution bone density scan. And right where my phone sits, there's 10% lower bone density in my right femur, which should be higher density than my left because I'm right leg dominant. Like, well, that sucks. So then now my pants have uh, RF blocking fabric stitched in yeah. behind where I keep my phone. Well, it's, and I put an airplane mode when I can, but. Yeah, it's brilliant that you found that. Um, there is a study showing that if, that the hip, the hip that you keep your, if you keep your cell phone on the right-hand pocket and you keep it on, that there's lower bone density on that hip. Yeah. So let's avoid the hip replacements as well. That said, I'd rather give up my femur than, you know, some of those other more recreational organs, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, and there's erectile dysfunction is one of the other issues, right? So there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, yeah. not, not positive. And, and that said, these increase your risk, they make it a little bit worse, but it's not, it, it, it's not going to kill you right now. You turn your phone on, you, you hold it up to your head. It's a bad idea. I don't generally do that. But if it was an emergency, would I do it and not worry even a little bit? I would, because you can take the hit. You just don't want to take hits all the time. Exactly. It's the cumulative damage. It's, you know, I, yeah, some people go, oh, it's get so, get so nervous and say it's permanent damage. And you don't want to get into that mentality, that fear mentality. Your body can repair itself, even DNA damage. Um, and so it's just a matter of keeping up with it, keeping up with the repair and not overload. That's, that's what I mean by overload. When you're overloaded, you have more damage than you can repair. Now let's talk long term. And I've been really open in the last year or so saying, look, I plan to live to at least 180. I've run an anti-aging nonprofit group for 20 years. I've been working on this and I didn't start out when I, I created biohacking, the the word in the field and all that stuff, talking as much about that because it was just too crazy pants for people to even think about it. it would have just lost credibility. Um, and I've been working on it for a while and still working on it. And the, some of the things when you're saying, what's going to get me another 140 years? I'm like, well, how are we going to have enough topsoil? You know, what's, what's happening with the carbon load? Uh, but also what's happening with uh, EMFs and environmental pollution? And then how can I counteract those as a person of means who lives on an island on a 32-acre farm where there isn't a Wi-Fi signal unless I turn it on? And then the other one is, how's everyone else going to do it? Because I would like to have friends. Exactly. <laughs> so, You'd like to have friends that still live that long enough. Right. I'll so, try to be there. I'll try to be there with you. Right. Like I, I'm working on actively solving the global issues like this. But given all the bad stuff that could happen, where does EMF sit for you? I mean, is it worse than mercury? Is it 
You know, I think for me, um, for me right now, I think that in the long term, in long term, I want my vision is we have a clear world and we have, you know, clean air, clean water, clean soil and clear fields, clear and natural fields. And as you were saying at the beginning, you talked about Steve. NASA says that our man, our natural magnetic field has now been polluted with man-made frequencies, Mm -hmm. which might involve the Steve situation. So I want things to be clear and natural and not be, and have none of these environmental factors impacting our cellular biology and our children. So um, that's the long-term goal. I think where we have to go in the short term is I think the short-term most urgent issue for me is EMF. And the reason is it really tips your body into fight or flight mode. And we talked about that. It's not, to me, it's not that we have too many people on the planet. We have too many people in fight or flight mode who are irresponsible, black and white thinking, don't have access to their full brains. So we need to lower that exposure, get people sleeping, get people back into their full potential. And then we can solve these other more long-term problems. So in the short term, I really want to focus on EMF. And then I want to see people's autonomic nervous systems balanced and and heart rate variability improve. And then we want, the vision is that everyone knows what's in their body. So you have the right to know all the toxins that are in your body. Right now, we don't, neither of us know. There are 80,000, more than 80,000 toxins. We don't know exactly what's in your body. We don't even have tests for everything. Oh, yeah. So, um, but we're getting there. I have a little long-term plans. We've got things going on. So ideally, we'll have in the future, you know, the ability to measure for lead, mercury, and arsenic with spectroscopy, like a pulse oximeter. And we'll start managing these things. We'll start measuring and managing these things, just like we do a clean room in a chip fab, so that we, and we'll start measuring the, uh, all the environmental factors and the end results. And we'll start managing our environment so that we can create um, things that live longer, right? Just like we're, just like farming, we're gonna start, you know, the information's out there now. It's it's your neur- your neurons should we should grow like grow them like a farmer. Give it all the right soil, all the right conditions to maximize neuronal growth and development. We can do so much better. We're we're just in this. We're just doing stupid stuff right now. Yeah, yeah. We can do so much better. All right, and feel so much better. How long are you going to live? You know, it's hard to. I I don't know. I'm going to just every day get up and do the best I can and. Okay. Um, and I'm going to try to keep lightening these loads and lighten these loads. And that was, it's almost like even through corporate PR training, that that was the most canned answer that I've ever heard. Good or bad? Did it not sound authentic? It sounded pretty canned. I, oh, I mean, right, seriously, can I, come on, give it to me straight. You want Peter. a little more authentic? Sorry, yeah, Dave. Okay. Yeah, I'm usually I mean, pretty good. I, at I saw the corporate thing. shill just slide you know, right in there. All right. All right. Um, you know, it's tricky. <laughs> I, I honestly, it's, I definitely, definitely more than a hundred. I'd love okay. to do 120. Uh, I was at the the Palo Alto Longevity Challenge when they were trying to do a fifty percent bump. Yeah, um, I'd be cool with that. Again, I'm, I heard you talk about the last talk. I mean, people. Some people are afraid of death. I know some people in Silicon Valley are just terrified. Oh, yeah. of death. I'm not so terrified of death. When I'm done, I'm what I'm terrified is like BJ Fogg. I'm terrified of leaving before my mission's done. Yeah, that's what you don't want to do. And right. and you might have more missions than you think. Right. And, but yeah, when I'm done, I'm done. But un- until then, I'd really like to be at full performance mode. Which uh, is why exactly. Exactly. I want to have, I want to have my body. I want to have my mind. I want to be able to serve. And I think the more you serve, the more, if you serve life, life serves you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's, you know, uh, you know, I'll be here as long as I'm needed. Beautiful. Well, Peter, your website is clearlightventures.com. You're doing fantastic philanthropic work in the world uh, talking about uh, mercury 
when you started doing it made people think you were nuts, even though mercury is a well-known toxin and it's right. it, the words finally getting out about it. And now talking about EMFs, you know, you're, you're ahead of the curve and talking about things that matter and have real science behind them, but aren't yet commonly accepted. So thanks, thanks for your work and your, your movies linked there, your work on all these different things at clearlightventures.com. Thank you, Dave. If you like today's episode, you know what to do. Just break a thermometer and drink it down. And you can be a test to see if what Peter talked about is true or not with mercury poisoning. Or <laughs> you could say, I'm going to take the precautionary side of things, and you're going to maybe lower the toxin load in your body. Maybe you can turn off your Wi-Fi and put your, your phone in airplane mode at night. It's not that hard. If we are wrong, what you do is you waste a little bit of time hitting the off switch. And if we're right, maybe you saved your balls. Seems like the bet is a good one. Have an awesome day. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.